So, Tone, it's time to talk about our big show in April. Uh, first, I want to give a big thanks to Schedulicity and to Cosmoprof Beauty for, for uh, sponsoring the show. Um, yeah, in Maryland, April 7th and 8th. That's right. So uh, we're actually doing a show and classes, and we have the amazing Presley Poe and her friends. So tell us about her friends. Oh, we have Blushing May, Sarah Jane Maples. Who, who just, just won an aha. She sure did. We got Updo Guru, Casey Powell, for uh, those amazing Bobby Penn sculptures. It's amazing, right? Yeah. And from uh, Project Runway, we have Jackie and Lynn coming in, and they're going to um, show some uh, editorial work on the stage. And, 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 Lynn does the, and Lynn does the quickest updos in the world, so he's going to teach some of that as well. But then tell them what's happening right before the show. Uh, right before the show and right after the show, we have Johnny Cash, Livingston, doing some tattoo barbering brother yeah and he's open for questions and stuff too so you know if you have any questions while you watch him work yes sir up close and personal also uh another big thanks to uh to cosmic prof for sponsoring the uh shadow presley poe and we're gonna have the winner there yep miss stephanie dot p dot hair yeah so uh you'll get a chance to meet her as well and a big shout out to our boy ben mullen ben mullen yeah is going to MC the whole event can't wait to hear him so, again, all information will be available at PresleyPoeAndFriends.com. Check it out. Check out the classes, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey and of course I sit with my buddy Tony. What's up, Tony? What's up, buddy? So we get round two with Mr. our, our new good friend, uh, Gavin Salisbury today. And uh, he's going he's gonna to be talking about something that's, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but you know, a lot of people have questions about. Yeah, well, it. But it's a lot more than that, right? We're going to get, you know, deeper into what a blended salon looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And then not necessarily what, you know, the struggles kind of that's, that's happening in a couple of states. I'm sure he's going to get into that a little bit, but but really how, how a blended salon looks like and, you know, how, I guess, a salon owner can benefit from it maybe or, mm-hmm. you know, curious of how this whole situation is going to work. Let's do it. Let's get into it. So, Mr. Gavin Salisbury, I guess the first thing I want to ask is like, like, what is and how do you define what a blended salon is? And welcome back to. Yeah, welcome back to your day off. Hey, thanks, dudes. Um, defining a blended salon, I think they get it comes from the blend is you have um, 1099 self-employed stylists or license holders because it could be um, estheticians, massage therapists, but you've got a self-employed 1099 um, inside of the same building as a W-2 employee. And so when you put the two together, you're getting, in essence, a blended business model. We have a friend like that, right? Uh, yeah, he has, yeah, yeah. So he, he has a, uh, like, upstairs, it's a two-level uh, hair salon, and upstairs he has, um, you know, like a regular commission salon uh, with W-2 employees. And then in the basement, he actually has, uh, he set up spaces where, uh, you know, where you can do, like, kind of booth rental in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's probably, if you kind of look at the different models in the industry, you have salon suites. So there's the suite model. And then you're getting into just what I would call a, um, like a chair rental salon, um, just a hundred percent where you're not in a suite, but you, you have your chair. 
So it's a little different than a suite. Um, I think it's much different than a suite. And then you've got your commission, commission only. And then you've got, I think what's the fourth one is the blended. So at, uh, you know, I don't try to pick or choose which one's better, bigger, you know, greater than one another. I think it just pick one and, and succeed. Right. How did, how did, um, how did blended salons come about? Like, like, like what was the need in, 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 in your opinion or, or from people that you've talked to, you know, what's, what were they trying to get or, or avoid in that? See, I think it came about, I, I'd have to even, now this is partially a guess, but I'm, I'm going to have to go to California and really look at the industry there was becoming very independent, self-employed, um, beginning in the 70s and moving into the 80s. And I think what some, um, someone's got to own the whole business, you know, that rents all of the chairs or rents all of the suites. What I think was starting to happen is, is they were starting to see at certain times uh, a need for more self-employed mm -hmm. stylists. That's their business model. You know, they want to, just like if we owned an apartment complex, we want 100% um, vacancy. Was it vacancy? We want to fill right. them all. And it's the same name. The, the name of the game, I think, similar. If we have 10 chairs, 30 chairs. We want to rent out all of those chairs. But at certain times, that became difficult as there was more um, competition. Now, all of a sudden, we used to have one apartment complex in town, and now there's 22 apartment <laughs> complexes in town. So to the license holder, there were many more options and choices. So then what about me, the owner of the entire self-employed business? How do I get more renters? And I think this is where we're pretty ingenuitive, creative souls. I think at some point, someone must have said, let's start bringing them in as commission. We'll train them. They don't have books or businesses yet. And we'll, we'll help them and build them up to a certain point that then they can rent from me, um, from the salon. And I think that's really where the blended concept, it was out of a need to fill the chairs so that they had more renters, if that makes sense. Completely. So how do you do that? Like, how does a business do that successfully, though? Because I mean, like, if you if you build up, you know, if you build up a, a, a stylist, and I don't know what they're doing, you know, let's, let's say they're doing, a, you know, a few thousand a week. Now you're trading that for a few thousand a month as, as the salon owner. Mm -hmm. Like, how do, how, how, how do you make a success out of that from the salon owner? Does that make sense? Yeah, so are you saying how would I transition to well, a blended? No, no, no. I'm saying that... like if, if I have a blended salon and I bring on somebody right out of school, let's say, and, and I build their book up to, you know, what, $2,000 a week, right? Now, you can't, you can't charge 8000 a month for your, for your, for your rental chairs, you know, you, you're, you're maxed out at, you know, I don't know, whatever, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month for that. So you're trading a $2,000 a week hairdresser and you're putting them in a, in a position only to, to give you, you know, a thousand or 2000 for the month. Yeah. But you, you're paying them commission. Say, say you're paying them 50% commission, right? Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to build them up for that? So really it's only a, a you know, a thousand dollars a week. Right, but you're still trading. But if it's a two thousand dollar book, you're still trading four thousand dollars for a thousand or two thousand dollars. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. 
whether it's 50% or not, it's still, you're still only bringing in half, you're only generating half the income from that individual or from that chair. There's trade-offs. There's no doubt about it. So if you think on the 2000, the, um, I'll try to not get too far into the math here, but on a $2,000 employee, W-2 commission employee, the owner at best is using 30% of the 2000. That's like real liquid money they can use because half of the 2000 went back to the payroll. Then there's payroll taxes. Then there's product expenses. There's utilities. I mean, you just start to, there's the front desk wages that usually are helping the guest handling. Before you know it, that 2000 really at best, there's only 30% that that owner can really use, which is 600 bucks a week. Now you're not going to get into rents in most places in the country. You're not going to find a 600 um, a week rental rate, but it's the trade-off of the long term. Of um, I think you know whether I I can either have a commission company and sooner than later there's a chance that people are going to leave and go rent a chair from somebody else in town or or lease a suite or why not just keep them in house. And they already, um, hopefully they like the culture, the company, the brand, the leadership, you know, it's, it's more of a convenience. Why don't you just stay here, not disrupt your, your livelihood and your maybe client base. And I'll, I'll be willing to take less, earn less as the mm-hmm. owner just so that you can be in the space. And, um, and, and then it's part of a business model because see, that's assuming that I'm only going to lease you um, space on a chair. That's not assuming what if I have two people that are utilizing that chair and now I'm renting the same chair to two separate people each week where you're flip-flopping schedules. Um, most hair salons are open a minimum of, 20, of 68 hours and that's increasing just so you know. And I, and I don't mean to make fun of anyone listening, but you pay rent on Mondays, just so you know. <laughs> you pay rent on Sundays, just so you know. And we are in the service world. How many restaurants close on Sundays and Mondays? Mic drop, boom. Doesn't happen. In today's world, that's where this thing is evolving. So when it goes back to, we can lease on one chair. I mean, you're looking at sometimes 80 hours. 90 hours if you were open seven days a week or six days a week. I don't, I have so much availability that I can lease you time and space on that chair and you can share that chair with someone else. And why would it benefit you is because I can lease you the chair for less if you were to share two people on that chair. Does that make sense? hundred percent makes sense. Completely. Yeah. In that in that way, you're you can make even more money. Completely. Yes, you can. Boom. Yes, you can. As an owner, I see. I, we we try to always create a triple win. So where's the triple win? If you start with the owner, the owner can earn more than just the using the two thousand dollar a week concept, because if they're double shifting their chairs that they're leasing and they've got two leasors using that chair, the money can get very uh, close to one another and greater than 
Um, so that's the win for the owner. What's the win for the stylist? I can charge you less by you sharing a chair than I can charge you if you just had it all 90 hours, 80 hours. So the win can be for you a li literally a visible difference of what your cost is um, by sharing the chair. And then the guest, you know, I think I just look at the guest as the guest. Um, they, some guests want to come in at late hours of the day. Some guests want to come in at 637 on their commute in. Some love Sundays when the husband's watching football <laughs> Mondays. I mean, it's, it's, we're in a, a world today that there's enough people out there that you can really fill an appointment calendar almost, I don't want to say 24 seven, which I'm waiting for that. <laughs> Overnight here. Seriously. There's got to be somewhere in Tokyo or someplace to get it. name's Gabe. <laughs> Our friend Gabe, he goes into work at 8 p.m. It's the craziest thing. Yeah, he's there until <laughs> 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and then for the blended, you guys, I think when you get beyond the money, it's just, it can be really a great thing for our industry. Um, you know, I, 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 it's sad to see how many license holders can't pay back their student loans. So if you go right to the early beginnings, which we were, you know, you guys were there at one point in your lives as well, 40% of them aren't paying back their student loans. Hence why you're hearing rumblings of deregulation in the beauty industry, because all of us pay taxes. And at some point, those student loans that the students took that aren't getting paid back, someone's got to pay for those. And so why do I bring that up? I mean, it's close to my heart. I've been in the business since the day I was born. And I just don't like the fact it doesn't feel right in, from an integrity standpoint that we have stylists going to suites and rental situations and they don't even have the business at all. And it just buries them. And it's um, a short term what they think gain, but it ends up being a lot of pain. And then they drop out of the industry. And why does a blended model work when they're done right? Is because it's an onboarding process. You can onboard someone who needs more skills, building, client building, um, experience, you, you name it. And they can develop through the commission team and then get to a certain point. And we believe at Summit, it should be a very specific point. Like, we have a level program that we teach. So either level two or level three, you've earned it. So it's not just, you know, you're, I would never want to be in a blended where it's not defined. I'd want you to know you've earned the right to rent a chair at this point. And ethically, this point is when the math works for the self-employed stylist in the name of affording that rent and the cost of goods for the products and you know, all those costs that come with being self-employed. That to me is where there's just a, a great industry um, kind of launching pad for the blended concept. She so said like a level two or level three. I mean, what are, what, you know, what are some of the numbers that you're looking at to say, okay, you're ready. You're ready as a service provider. You're ready to, um, you know, to go off, not on your own necessarily in a blended salon, but that you're ready to rent a chair. Yeah, uh, great question. I think you're looking at when you start to um, consistently hit 1500 every week, 
you're probably getting close to being at a number that it would be able to, you could liquidate and pay, you could afford a rental cost of your marketplace. Um, I think that that dollar amount is the beginning, 1500 mm -hmm. a week. Then you've got to really look at request rate. Um, for example, I'd never want Tony, if you were, you were that, you know, three year, 23, 24 year old stylist, I'd never want you to go rent unless you had at least a 70% request rate. Because I've, we see that too, where I'm getting a lot of business, but it's really just walk in, call in. Um, it's not really my business. I haven't retained it. And then if I'm not careful, I'll hop to a suite or a, a you know, a self-employed situation. And I really have no, I don't have the clients that I've retained to bring with me. So that repeat request number is super important as well. And so that would go into your like into your pre books and 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 your 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 rebooks, right? I mean, you know, yeah, your rebooks, I guess. Right, that's a good one too. So seventy percent and fifteen hundred dollars. Let's go. Are there any other variables that you'd uh, that you would look into? So it kind of goes to um, what we were talking a little bit about the different states: um, California, Oregon, Washington. Um, and you were saying, you know, when is someone ready? to be self-employed and yes, you can look at a number and I, I'd say 1500 a month is, is probably your, you're starting to well, 15, probably 1500 a week, no, 1500 a week, my bad, 1500 a week. Yeah. 1500 a month would be wiener water soup, <laughs> but 1500 a week. But here's what's really now I, I kind of sound like maybe your dad when I say this, but in today's world, um, the how you run a self-employed business, there is more and more of a spotlight. And I don't think that's going to change. I mean, I really don't think that's going to change. I'm going to use an example of California to kind of drive that this home. Back in the 70s and 80s, and I don't know the exact data, but I think this will give you a good insight of why the spotlight's coming on to self-employed more than it ever has. And one is, is if you look at California back in the seventies and eighties, there once were like 25 million W2 employees. So if you're a W2 employee, you worked for another company and that company would match your payroll taxes. So the state of California liked that because the employer matched payroll taxes and hence California got paid um, when they had more employees. But then in the seventies, eighties, nineties, the 1099 employee status started growing faster in California. And it's not just our industry. I mean, it's from trucking to um, pampered chef to, you know, the third trip, what is it? The marketing level marketing MLM. thing. I mean, just MLM. What is it? Yeah. They, like, and it just, everything started coming at California. And before you knew it, they had, their numbers of W-2 employees were going down and 1099s were coming up. Well, the problem is money. 1099 self-employed, no one matches your taxes. The employer, there is nothing to that. So in the name of money, California took a step back and said, wait a minute. And it wasn't the beauty industry. It was the, we've got a problem on the horizon. If we don't start to see the W-2 um, employee type trend upwards, 
the whole state's going to be bank. We're not going to have enough income. And also there were starting to be, when you get into it, and I don't mean to point out Pampered Chef, but because the article talked about it, they were starting to really identify like the type of employee, the difference between the two. And it was getting very muddy, muddled and cloudy. And so why I even bring all that up is if you, if my wife, if my daughter, which I hope she is a stylist one day, my grandmother, my, her, her grand, both grandmothers were, and her wife was, or her mother was, I know that was confusing, <laughs> but if she today said, dad, I want to um, be self-employed, I would support her, but I'd want to make sure she knows all of the ins and outs of her taxes. Um, she's going to have to have her own appointment booking system today, a square. She's going to, if she has an assistant, um, which we were just kind of sh- talking about before the, the, the recording that she would need to pay that assistant as an employee. Um, she's going to need to issue the rental owner a 1099, which oftentimes never happens. So that's where I don't know when you're ready for that, but I think in today's, the spotlights on that self-employed, I think that's a whole nother piece of the puzzle outside of money and a request rate. Are you ready for that? And I think that that's completely fair, right? hundred percent. You know, are, are you ready for that? Are you ready for, you know, to run your business, you know, as a business, I guess. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, I want to, you know, rent a chair or rent a suite and uh, not knowing all the other stuff that you have to do to go along with that. You know what I mean? Right. Cause you're so used to having your employer pay f- all your taxes for you exactly. pretty much. Right. And so that's, and you know, your, your retail, everything else. So that's well said. Really well said. Yeah. Well, it gets into poverty versus wealth mentality. I think um, self-employed in the past was more of a poverty mentality. What do I mean by that is you had more people, um, not paying taxes. You had people, and I think a lot of it was just, it's ignorance on, on all parts, you know, the state, the salon, the human being that's renting. I think, you know, it wasn't clear of how do I run it by the book, but in the name of wealth mentality, which I mean, cut me open and you'll find that I, that's one of my missions of our industry is let's bring more of a wealth mentality to the industry um, let's not, you know, I just don't think it's cool anymore to not pay your taxes, um, and build your business model off of something that's an illegal practice. I'm pardon me. I'm ethical, ethical, but I think it damages the entire industry in the name of a poverty mentality wouldn't pay their taxes. A wealth mentality would pay their taxes. And if we're going to keep lifting the beauty industry out of the beauty school dropout, I think this is all part of the conversation. I think that's a great analogy. Really. Uh, yeah. You know, like that, that, that's awesome. So if I'm a salon owner, like, like, do you have any tips or tricks uh, how to make a um, successful blended salon? Yeah. Um, well, that's a great big question. I think you need, first off, I would advise you to reach out to someone who's done it. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is something where you can blow your legs off without a doubt when you try to, con- uh, you try to integrate or innovate a new division called self-employed or vice versa. You're self-employed and you want to start to bring in commission. You want to build a commission division. 
So whichever way you're looking at it, I'm not selling you on anything. I'm just telling you from experience, there's a lot of foundational things that you want to get right before you flip to that. And I'm just going to bring up a couple of things why you want to get them right. If you've never offered rent in your company, there's formulas for what I should charge for the rent of the space I'm leasing. Um, if I'm going to offer a commission model because I've never before had any employees, but now I'm going to start to bring in employees, how I set my compensation plan up, my, um, you know, how am I going to train this future generation? What's that associate program look like? What are the benefits? What is the compensation? What is the pricing? All things that you would be, you'd want to line up and lay all that out for the new um, W-2 employee. So I don't know if I could, uh, I could give you maybe two quick tips. One would be if you have a current commission salon, 100% commission, you would want to know what your break even is first off. And your break even for you commission salon owners out there, I'm giving you like a massive golden nugget here. I probably even shouldn't be, but I am. If you take your monthly rent, so let's just say they're paying 4,000 a month in rent and they're, they have, let's say a debt payment. They build out the salon, they did some remodeling, they purchased some equipment. They're paying a thousand a month on a debt payment. So if you just take those two payments, rent and debt, and in this example, 4,000 for rent, 1,000 for debt, you've got $5,000 every month they're waking up to those two payments and other bills. You know, that's assuming, this formula assumes all the other costs. But 5,000 a month, they need to do seven times that to just break even, which would be 35,000 a month in revenue. I wouldn't even think of beginning a blended salon, uh, a self-employed division, unless I am well beyond my break even number. So um, I work with some salons that have a rent and debt and they're operating at 10, 15 times their monthly rent wow. and debt. So that, that's when you have more freedom that you're not going to blow your, your feet off. The problem is, is if you don't know any of that, you might just one day, and we are definitely an industry that's more reactive than proactive. We're going to react because we just lost a commission stylist down the street to a suite. And this is how it works. And probably people are shaking their heads in their cars listening to this right now. But, you know, all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, everybody's leaving to go rent a suite. I'm going to offer a blended model now. And they just wing it. Um, they don't know their numbers. And it's kind of like more of the same. They're not, it's not set up correctly. So I just think that's, that's just one example of if you don't know your break even, then I don't think you should be retooling your business plan right now until you get some expert advice that someone can really guide you through that. And the same applies for self-employed. Here's a number I'll just throw at you. If you're self, if you have a self-employed business, you're looking at, it could be upwards of $25,000 to create a blended model. So this would be, you know, Tony, Corey, the three of us, we own a salon that has all rental. Um, we have 30 renters in our space and uh, the three of us own it. If we want to start to bring in a commission division 
to make it blended, it could cost us $25,000 over the next 12 to 24 months to make that happen, to just get it off the ground. Well, I mean, what are the expenses so, there? You're saying 25,000 over, over 12 months. Like, like what, are, what expenses are you accruing, you know, for 25K, let's say? No, great question. The day that you hire your first employee, this expense begins. So, you know, lots of states, minimum wages are climbing rapidly. Uh, I work in out on the West coast most of the time. So it's common that a 12, 14, $15 minimum wage is at play right now. So you just do, if I hired you at, let's say $15 an hour and I'm having to, and that's minimum wage. I have to guarantee you a wage as an employee, take that times 30, 35 hours. And before you know it, it could take me by the time I get a couple of you hired and onboarded and starting to build your business. That's where the majority of the expenses are occurring. The second one is product. See, when I have a self-employed environment, many times they, they have their own back bar. They're using their own color. Well, the day I say I'm gonna have a, a salon um, employee division, I have to um, supply the color. So that right there could be anywhere from 2,500 to $5,000 just to get outfitted to have that um, color for them. Absolutely. Yeah, stuff that you don't really, you're not thinking about because you're just thinking about the overall picture. Right. Exactly. The nuance, the nuance is what kills you, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, I could talk to you. Hey, and all of them work. All of them yeah. work. All of them. It's just, but you got to know which ones work. You got to know the ins and outs in today's world. I mean, the number one failing business is restaurants. Number two are hair salons. So, um, they will work. You just need to know how to. How, how, to how do people them. find out how to work them? How, how how do they get this? Find this information. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to talk about Summit. Um, we're the Harvard of hair. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> we're the Harvard of hair. I mean, I think we're the first company in the beauty industry that took a lot of big names, and we all decided to sit around the same damn table, and and do it for the greater good of the industry. You know, which is, that's hard. You take uh, people who are up on stages that are getting, you know, applause and ad admiration. Try to get, um, I, that's what I see if I wrote the story of Summit is we can help. We're the Harvard of hair. But we've been able to just really corral just some amazing humans. It started out with a couple and now it's up to 130 people. And you know how they say, you know, hire people smarter than you? I do that every year. I mean, like I I'm hiring people to that will become future coaches that would go out and teach and train to things that we're talking about here. Um, unbelievable experienced people, you know, that either own rental blended commission cosmetology schools. Um, and I think that's, that's what our hope would be is instead of you just trying to figure it out on your own, reach out to us, um, we'll find one of our experts that can, based on your needs, um, align you up with that and and hold your hand and and walk you through it. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, we all are in the same industry, and we all need to continue to love on each other, and help each other, respect each other, and not look at it like uh, a tug of warts or it's my way or no way. You know what I mean? 
so I by you guys sitting around that table uh, all trying to help for the better of our industry, man, mad respect, bro. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hey, our goal is just happiness. Whether you're self-employed, whether you're a commission, whether you're a salon owner, whether you're a suite owner, I don't give a damn. Just let's try to find your happiness, help you. If anything, let's help you identify what is that financially? What is that from a business standpoint? And it's a pretty cool gig to be able to fly around the country and walk into hair salons. And to me, I sometimes pinch myself because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to help people find their Hey, happiness. we're going to do a rebook with, with with you every morning before we start our day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Mr. Gavin, once again, I think you uh, you dropped some bombs on us and um, and uh, we've got some good value and some good uh, good 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 stuff out of you. Um once again, I'm really happy to have you on board with us, and, and I, I can't wait to, uh, to release some more uh, uh, podcasts with you in the future. So, Mr. Gavin Salisbury, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, thank you, guys. And you know what? You're helping lift it as well. You know that. You're, these conversations, you're, it's, it's, we're all one big family here. So I, I give you guys a lot of praise. Um, I'm grateful for things like this that you're putting in the effort and time and hustle to, to have the conversation. Gavin, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much yeah. for that. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon. And we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease.